I'm going to start with an assumption this morning. It's usually a good idea, right? I'm going to start with an assumption. My assumption is that you've all heard the expression, you are what you eat. You've all heard that, you are what you eat. How many of you had a parent or grandparent say that to you as a kid? Maybe you were the kid that had that said and you got annoyed and you said to them, now listen, if I want to sit here and eat an entire box of Pop-Tarts in one sitting, I can and I will because I'm young and I'm free, right? I'm talking to somebody today. That expression, you are what you eat, probably like any other expression can get overused, uh, maybe to the point of annoyance, but there is some truth to it. There is some merit there. And obviously what it's saying is the things that you take in, the things that you consume, the things that you buy and buy into and bring home and put in your fridge and then put into your body, they have a strong impact on your life. Good or bad, because if you eat good, wholesome, healthy, nutritious food consistently, that's gonna affect the quality of your life possibly the length of your life. Contrast, if you eat junk food all the time and just plow your face full of that, that's gonna affect your quality and maybe the length of your life. Even if what you're eating seems harmless. How many of you saw the headline sometime last year of the guy in the States who died from eating too much black licorice? You see that? He was not allergic to black licorice. Apparently, there's some ingredient or some property to black licorice that when you eat it too much, like consistently, too great a quantities, it becomes toxic and lethal. So in a little bit, like, or in appearance, it seems harmless. It's black licorice. Although, show of hands, how many of you, like me, cannot stand black licorice? Okay. How many of you like black licorice? <laughs> what? No. No. This, this sermon is over. Like, I don't even know where to go. Oh, my word. Just when you think you know something. Okay. Moving rapidly along. Black licorice is not dangerous, but that guy found the harm in it. Okay, so let this be a public service announcement for none of you to do the same. That is, that is mind-boggling. Okay, why am I telling you any of this? That's the good question. The reason I'm telling you any of this is because there's a parallel here to our faith. We're in a series, as you know, going through the book of 1 John, verse by verse. This is week number nine. And I've said it before, I will say it again, and I'm likely to say it again even after this. The, the bedrock, bottom line truth of what we've seen in 1 John is this. God has a life for you. Turn to your neighbor today and tell them, God has a life for you. And this, this life is a good life. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is amazing and we never, you know, have hard things. But it's a good life. It's a full life. It's a meaningful life. And this life is marked by, as we've seen, walking in relationship with God, being connected to him relationally. And the word we've seen is abiding abiding in Christ. That's the essence. That's the bedrock of this life that he has for us. And that's the life that we want to discover how to live and experience for ourselves. And what we're going to see in God's word today is something a little bit different, but it's something very important. What we're going to see in God's word today is that as we set out to walk the path of this life that he has for us, the things that you consume, black licorice, 
Maybe, maybe not. The things you consume, the things you take in, the things you buy into can have a strong effect on your life. That's what this text is all about today. And so grab your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John 4, 1. We're actually only doing six verses today. Probably not going to be that short of a sermon though, so don't get your hopes up. 1 John 4, 1. Here's where we're at in this text. It says, Beloved... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. That is a very large and a very important verse. That is a very, very important word from the Lord. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How many of you know you can't believe everything you hear? How many of you know that not everything you see on the news is true? How many of you know that not everything you read on the internet is true? That better be every hand in the house that not everything on the internet is true. But yet, we live in this day, in this age where it seems like every waking moment of the day, we're bombarded with messages and pictures and, and ideologies and opinions and watch my hands, truths and voices. It's all kinds. Information, like that is our day. That is our age. It's hard pressed to find a day unless you're like living in a cabin in the woods far away from everything with no, you know, internet connectivity. Like it's hard to find a day where we're not just totally faced not like a little bit, but a lot with this kind of stuff. We're, we're constantly told what we should think just as a society, not even as Christians, just as a society, we're told what to think, we're told what we should look like, here's what you should wear, here's who you should hang out with, here's what you should believe. The question is not, are we faced with this stuff in an endless barrage of, of voices and messages and information? The question is this, how much of it is true? That's the question. And as the people of God, like if we're gonna walk this life that God has for us, we gotta be able to tell what's what. We gotta know what's true and what isn't. And, and we gotta know how much of it is from God, how much of it is beneficial for our walk. Because this is probably not gonna shock you. Some is beneficial and some is not. So the key word in that verse right there is spirit. Somebody say Spirit. And I don't know what comes to your mind or mental pictures when you hear the word spirit. Could be any number of things. Let's talk biblically for a second. The Bible uses the word spirit in a number of different ways. It talks about the Holy Spirit. We're gonna see him later today. The Bible talks about the human spirit sometimes. A verse like Romans 8:16 says the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God as Christians. So there's the human spirit. The Bible talks about evil spirits, like Jesus would go around casting evil spirits out of people. Sometimes we in our society use the word spirit to talk about like the heart or the essence of something. Like for instance, we'll say in keeping with the spirit of the season, we eat way too much turkey at Christmas and we spend time with family and then they start to annoy us. The spirit of the season, right? Okay, I'm talking to somebody today, I know it. So when we're dealing with this word spirit, like we can't just rush to say, oh, it's, it means this and only this. I mean, that word spirit could mean a number of things. 
any of those things that we just mentioned. And so we got to dig a little bit deeper into that word. And here's what you need to know today. There exists an entire spiritual realm that we generally don't see. We live in the physical world, the seen world. I can look out at all of you guys. You look wonderful today, by the way. Um, you can taste things and touch things and smell things and hear things. That's the, that's the world, the physical seen world. Okay, not a shock to anybody. But equally as real is the spiritual realm that we don't often see. Now, that doesn't mean that, oh, if we just don't think about it, it's not real or it doesn't exist or it won't affect us. That'd be like, some of you were this kid, I bet, playing hide and seek and someone else is it and you're hiding and you like throw a blanket over yourself and just stand in the middle of the floor. Oh, I can't see them so they can't see me. Okay, that's not what's going on here. Just because you don't think about the spiritual realm and spiritual things and spiritual activity doesn't mean it's not a thing. So we gotta be aware of it. Um, you can go read Ephesians chapter six. That talks all about the spiritual realm and there's lots of other places as well. Now, you can't tangibly see God usually, right? You can't say, oh, there goes the Lord. There he goes. Yep, right over there. Oh, I, it doesn't work that way. But we can see the effects of the Lord. We can see the effects of what he does and when he moves. Well, similarly with sort of evil, negative spiritual activity, you don't just, oh, yep, there it is. Yeah, here it comes. But you see the effects. You can see the effects of God moving, right? When God moves, any number of things could happen. Salvations can happen. We're gonna be celebrating another salvation sometime soon, today. So that's good news. Sometimes when God moves, we see the effects like, uh, like people's faith can increase. Sometimes when God moves, healing can happen or, or provision for needs is met or prayers are answered, right? Like we could all tell stories of how we've seen God move, right? Even though we didn't literally physically look upon him moving, we see the effects. The same is true for the negative, the evil spiritual stuff. Oftentimes, we can see the effects, just rampant sin or wickedness or confusion or, or corruption, any number of things like that. Sometimes the spiritual activity is overt, right? Like the presence of the Lord just seems thick and, and it's right here and you can tell God's doing something. Sometimes the evil spiritual activity is really overt. Wow, there's something like crazy going on here. Sometimes though, it's less obvious. Sometimes it's covert. Sometimes it's, I bet you we would all have stories like this. Hey, I went through such and such an experience in my life and at the time I didn't see God in it. But now that I look back, I can see, oh, he was in it and he caused this and that to happen to all line up. We'd all have stories, people about how God has moved in ways we didn't notice. And again, same is true for the negative stuff, right? There can be evil, sketchy, spiritual stuff going on that we don't necessarily pick up on. Have I freaked you out yet? Am I succeeding yet? Good, because I got lots more. Okay, either way though, in all of this, you need to understand spiritual activity, spiritual life, spiritual things are going on all around us, all over the place, all the time. Spiritual activity like we need to think a little bit bigger about it, I think. It's not just what happens when you're in a church building. It's not just what happens when you pray a prayer before the meal or when the Lord's name comes up or if you like go to a, like a church person's funeral or something. Spiritual activity is more than that. As a matter of fact, what I would submit to you is this. Life itself is spiritual. 
Life is a spiritual matter. We were made by God and for God, period, exclamation mark. Therefore, all of life is an opportunity to seek the Lord, get close to the Lord, worship the Lord. That's why it says uh, in everything that you do, everything you do, do it to the glory of God. Life is a spiritual matter and everything we do in life is a spiritual matter. So it's not as though you've got your sock drawers, right? Here's my spiritual life and here's my work life and my home life and my social media life and no, all of those things are spiritual matters and all of life is an opportunity and everything that we do, everything that we see and hear and come into and buy into is an opportunity for us to seek the Lord and get closer to the Lord or it's something that can lead us further from him. So we need to think big, big picture here. All of life is spiritual. And so when this says, do not believe every spirit, he's talking to us today. This isn't like, oh, this is some 2,000-year-old whatever, and oh, that doesn't apply to me. Life is spiritual, and we're faced with stuff all the time. So he's talking to you. Like the Lord is trying to get up into your kitchen today here. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And what I want to do now, I want to take a few minutes to kind of explore a couple of areas that have spiritual implications that we might not necessarily think of a lot. Again, you might think spiritual, oh, I went to church, that was spiritual. Well, there's lots of other things too. Um, for one, the media. I don't know what your perspective on the media is, but make no mistake, the media is not neutral. The media is a spiritual thing. There are spiritual things happening in and through what the media says and does. Now, to be clear, some of it is from God. Like we're not saying the media is evil and some of it is from God and can be used by God. For instance, how many of you are on Facebook? How many of you are on Instagram? How many of you are on TikTok? I am not. I don't understand. We'll talk later. I don't know what TikTok is for. I don't know. I was figuring it'd be someone under 25 who could tell me about it, but that works, brother. I like that. Okay, unsidebar. Whether, whether you're on social media or whether you are watching TV, how many of you have a TV, right? Or maybe you listen to the radio or you drive by a billboard, whatever it is, we are faced with these messages all the time, bombarded with pictures and information and all this. Again, some of it's from God. Like you can log on to Facebook. Maybe you can log on to TikTok. I don't know. And find things like, for instance, you can find like Bible teaching, through the media that's really good, really helpful, really positive, really beneficial. Well, that's something from God and that can be used by God. There are other things in and through the media that God intends for our enjoyment. They're not sketchy, they're not evil, they're not wrong, it's to enhance, it's a gift to us, right? Equally as true as all that is, there's some stuff in and through the media that is not from God. Does that shock anybody today? It shouldn't. Here's what the media does. The, the, just the pop culture, media, whatever. What they try to do is send you a message. Again, they're not neutral. They're not just some third party observer. They're sending you a message. And the message the media sends to you is this, whatever this is, is normal. Like that's what billboards are for. Sometimes out here they have a, a billboard with a guy, uh, like the cell phone store. 
And what they're saying, I don't think it's there now, but what they're saying is, if you want to be normal, this is how normal people do things. This is where normal people shop. Normal people are going to go buy a new cell phone this week. Oh, I want to be normal. I better go shop there too, right? They're sending a message. Sometimes it's much more sinister than come to this store and buy a new cell phone, but the case is there nonetheless. And something else that the media does as well is they tend to affirm the values of the culture. Like, Yeah, I wasn't going to say this, but I will. So back in the 50s, smoking, some of you remember the 50s. That's cool. Back in the 50s, smoking was a pretty widely, lots of people still smoke today, but um, smoking was just a regular, widely practiced, like there were no warning labels. There was no like, oh, this could be bad for me. Matter of fact, I was doing some research when the Flintstones TV show came on in 1960-ish. Some of you remember that too. Um, there were actually cigarette commercials with the Flintstones in them. Do you think you would see that today? Probably not. Because the culture has kind of come along, and again, lots of people still smoke, but what we've said is, oh, maybe it's not great to like put that message out in front of our kids who are watching cartoons on Saturday morning. And so as culture has sort of changed its opinion on smoking a little bit, the media follows suit. And now you don't see that stuff anymore. Here's, the, here's something to be aware of and a potential problem in all of this. Just because the media tells you to do something, just because it's widely practiced in the culture and you see it on TV, does not make it true. Just because it's popular in the culture, that says nothing about what God thinks of it. Just because this is what everybody else does, that, makes, that has absolutely no bearing guaranteed on well, here's what God wants me to do. Here's what God wants me to think. Here's what God wants me to believe, right? So we can't just make the leap of whatever we see widely practiced, we'll jump into. That is not a solid rock to build on. And what I'm not saying, by the way, in case you hear this and you're a little more, you know, on the legalism side, what I'm not saying is don't watch TV, Right? Don't listen to the radio. If you drive by a billboard, like cover your eyes. If you're on TikTok or social media, you'll go straight to hell. No, no, that's not the answer. The answer is to test the spirits, which we'll talk about in a minute. My point in all that is not everything you hear or see or listen to or come into through the media is true. Can we agree on that? Are we good there? Okay. Something else to consider is something like government policy. Before I say one other word, I am not an anti-government guy. I am just not. And I am not the like, I'm gonna pound my fist onto this stand and we're gonna start a revolution and like overthrow the system. Like, that's not this guy right here, okay? And I think probably we could all agree, like we've heard enough of the anti-government stuff. Like, can we all just agree on that? We don't need to have more of that today, okay. Matter of fact, actually, we're told in Scripture to respect those in authority over us. So that's the view that we're taking here. Here's all I want to tell you, though. When the government speaks, when the government legislates, when they pass laws, when they send messages on your TV, brought to you by the government of Canada, right? This happens. That's a spiritual matter. There are spiritual implications there. Some of the things the government does and says are either from God or they line up with who God is. For instance, it's illegal in our country to murder somebody. It's illegal in our country to steal from somebody. 
Hopefully you're all aware of those things. Well, those things originate from the heart of God, right? In God's economy, in God's law, it's wrong to murder, it's wrong to steal. So we've come along, we've taken a page out of his book, like that's good, that's good. Another one, I have to say this, another one I'm convinced is a godsend is when the government put in the anti-spam laws a few years ago. You guys remember how it is, okay? You go to the store and they ask for your email address and you're like, oh, I don't wanna. Always have a dummy email address, by the way. That's just good advice. Anyway, you give them your email and then they'd start sending you emails every single day and there was no way to get out of the loop and it just like filled up your inbox. Super annoying, super annoying. But a few years ago, the government basically said it's now law that you have to give consumers an out. So that's the unsubscribe button. That's a godsend to me. I'm convinced that's from the Lord. Convince me otherwise. Okay, some things that the government says, preaches, promotes are from God or they line up with God. It probably won't shock you when I tell you though, some things that they say do not. You probably don't have to think very hard about what some of those are. And so our, our assignment as people of God is to figure out and walk in the balance of being respectful of those who are in authority over us, but not just blindly following everything they say. Oh, this is what the prime minister said, so that's what, that's what I need to think as a good, upstanding Canadian. That's not really how it works. We got other things too, like our feelings. Our feelings come at us. This is how you should think. Oh, this is how I'm feeling today. Oh, you should be mad. You should be happy. You should be sad. Sometimes, look, it sounds silly. Sometimes that's exactly what we do. We chase our feelings around. And again, you want to talk about unsteady ground to build on? Like, that's your feelings. Your feelings, I'm not invalidating them or whatever, but like, just because you feel it doesn't mean God said it or God thinks it. And so, I don't know, is that you? Is, it, do you, is, is that where you take your cues from? Is that what you buy into? This is how I feel today. Terrible. Maybe it's, maybe it's, a family member that has influence on you. Oh, I just, this is what my, you know, distant cousin thinks about something. This is what my father thinks, so that's what I think. Maybe it's the friend group that you hang out with. Oh, this is what my friends all do, so I better do it. Maybe it's some religious personality, like, oh, the Pope said it, so therefore I believe it. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because we are constantly faced with all kinds of stuff. Some of it's from God and leads to life. Some of it is not from God and it does not lead to life. So here's the question. What are you believing? What are you buying into? What are you grabbing hold of and walking in light of and in line with and in accordance with in your life? Because what you take in, remember, what you consume, what you buy into, what you line yourself up with can have a strong effect. In some ways, you are what you eat right? So the answer to all this, God doesn't just leave us hanging. Like I said, the answer is test the spirits. Somebody say test the spirits. This is actually a really good word and a really practical and helpful word because God is going to give us two different tests in his word this morning that we can employ to sort this stuff out. Two different tests. And listen, they're not these abstract woo things. They're very clear. So this is going to help somebody today. The first test is this. Test it against the scriptures. 
Whatever it is, whatever you're hearing, um, seeing, being told, seeing on the billboard, seeing on TikTok. I'm really going on TikTok today. Whatever you're getting there, don't just believe it all. Start by testing it against the scripture. So look what it says in, still in verse one. Do not believe all the spirits. Test the spirits to see if they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. When you see that word prophet, that's an old word. You see that word in the Old Testament. Back in those days, prophets were people, they had the designation and title of prophet. And what it was is they would hear from God and they would deliver the message to the people. They were like the go-between, the middleman, the messenger. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would go speak to the people. Now, I don't know about you, I don't tend to come across a lot of people in this day and age that walk around with the, you know, the name badge on and the title and the designation of prophet. I don't know about you. If you do, I don't know where you're hanging around at, but I don't see that a lot. But true or false, there are still people today who claim to speak for God. That's true. People come along and they claim they have the words of God. Some of it's true. Some of it isn't. People can come along in addition to that and they can claim that they have words of truth. This is the truth. This is what you should believe. People come along and speak words of authority. You should really listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. This is what you should believe and buy into. People come along and they have words that just lead to the path to life. Listen, People can come and go and speak and talk and proclaim and lead and direct all they want and they can speak all the words of authority and they can send out all the messages of truth that they want. There is ultimately only one person who is in ultimate authority and his name is Jesus Christ. And one way that we can tell if something that we're coming into or being faced with is from God, the one who's in ultimate authority, is to measure it against what he says. This right here, like I cannot overstate the importance of this book right here. Like people of God, this is the word, the inspired word of God. This is revelation from God. God said this and he has given it to us as a gift. This is his final perfect word. It's our final authority as Christians on all matters of life and of doctrine and of practice. This is where the buck stops right here because God said it. God wrote it. This is reliable. And listen to me. God is never going to go against what he said. God is never going to contradict or counter himself. God is never going to be unfaithful to what he has said. And so if what you are hearing does not line up with the word of God, it is not true. It is not true. So here's something, just a couple things really practical on this, testing it against the scriptures. Number one, by default, if we're to test the spirits and we're to test them against the scripture, that means we gotta be in the scriptures. You hear all the time of the epidemic in Christianity of Christians, not non-Christians, Christians who are never in their Bible. 
Oh, I haven't read it in weeks. Oh, I hardly know any of it. And listen to me. I'm not saying that I've done it perfectly or I'm a master at this. I have my days just the same as you do. But I'm saying if we're to test the spirits against the word of God, that means that we need to be in and growing in our knowledge of the word of God. Like it's time for the church to rise up and wake up and stop letting a layer of dust collect on this book. Get into it and read it. There's a lot at stake here, people. So let our church, let this church be a church, a people of the word. I'm not saying you need to have the Bible memorized or you don't cut it, but be in the word. Make sense? Something else you can do on by way of practicality is say you come into something, some message, some voice, some something that comes your way and you're like, I don't know, I gotta test that against the scriptures. Maybe you don't have the Bible super memorized or whatever. You know what you can do? How many of you have one of these? Cell phone, a brick, whatever. You can quickly go on your phone and you can pull up Google And you can type in scriptures about X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And she did it right now. Look, she did it in two seconds right while I was talking. And you can literally get result after result after result, scriptures about lying. And there'll be dozens and dozens and hundreds of them. So you can quickly browse and see, okay, this is what God thinks about this. Now listen, this is not supposed to replace the regular consistent reading of scripture, but I'm saying in a pinch, this works. Use this to your advantage. The bottom line is this though. We need to be in the word. We need to test what we're encountering against the word. And again, very, very simply, if what you are exploring lines up with the scriptures, it's in accord with the scriptures, it doesn't contradict the scriptures, you have the freedom in Christ to operate within that. You don't have to look over your shoulder and go, oh, I think maybe this is right, I hope it is. If it's in scripture, you can walk in confidence in that thing because God said it and you don't always have to wonder. In contrast, if what you are researching, considering, testing is against the scriptures, it's not true. Don't buy it, don't grab hold of it, don't run with it, don't live by it. It is not to be trusted because it's not from God. Simple, right? One last thing on the Bible. This isn't a super popular book in our culture right now. I don't know if you know that. Like I'm not, you know, rose-colored glasses, you know, whatever. A lot of people are kind of against what is written in here. And so you might have to face the tendency of, uh, I don't really know if I want to look in the Bible because I, I think that's going to like put me offside with my friends or my family or my whatever. Listen to me. If it comes down to a choice and you've got to put yourself offside with somebody, do you think it's better to put yourself offside with the culture or with the Lord? That's where we're at. So we've got to test the spirits against the scriptures. Spiritual activity all around us, all the time, test it against the scriptures. Number two then, second test we can do, is test it for Jesus. This one is also super practical, super important. Look at verse two, it says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit, how many spirits? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. That word Antichrist, 
Here it is again. We had that a few weeks ago. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? What we saw when we talked about the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist a few weeks ago is that it is a voice, a power, an influence that seeks to lead people away from walking with Jesus. There's Christ and there's anti-against Christ. Okay, spiritual activity of the spirit of Antichrist. Now, sometimes the activity in accord with the spirit of Antichrist is appearing totally secular, by the way. Sometimes you come into something and it doesn't you know, have the word God or Jesus in it and you might not think about it. But again, all of life is spiritual. Everything, everything has spiritual implications. And so when someone, I have one example that I'll kind of harp on here. You hear the expression, for instance, in our culture of follow your heart. Y'all heard follow your heart before? Maybe you've said it. There's grace for you. It's okay. People, oh, I don't know what to, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. Do what seems right to you. The word Jesus isn't in there. That's a spiritual matter though. And ultimately, when you hear a claim like that, and there could be hundreds of others, when you hear something like that, you've got to test it for Jesus. Hey, what does that claim say about who God is? Well, when you say follow your heart, that's saying that I'm God. I'm going to follow what I think and what I want and what I view. That's most important. Okay? Um, who does, what does this say about our means of salvation? Well, if I say follow my heart, what that means is if I do what I think is right, if I do what I'm feeling, you know, things will look up and be better for me. It's not necessarily true. You, you, you have to ask, what does this say about um, what we're supposed to put our hope in? Follow your heart? Well, put your hope in yourself and it'll all get better for you. What does this say about who or what we're to worship? When you say follow your heart, that means I'm going to worship myself and what I think. Listen to me. Test it for Jesus because if the answer to any of those things is something or someone other than Jesus, if that spirit, whatever it is, is promoting something or someone other than Jesus, it fails the test. It fails the test. Some things, in contrast, are, are overtly spiritual. Someone comes along and they claim to speak for God. They claim that they're, they're you know, some authority on spiritual life. Sometimes it's legit. Sometimes it's not. And the quickest way to tell, if you want to get right to the heart of the matter, is to test it for Jesus. You'll hear some people say, some spiritual people, leaders, preachers, whatever, they'll say things like, there are many paths that lead to heaven. Somebody did it. Yeah, that's wrong, right? Okay, you test it. What is, it? What is, what is, that? What is Jesus to that? Well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So that one would fail the test. People have come along and they've said, all religions are pretty much the same. They're all the same. No. In full disclosure, though, I used to, when I was younger, I had the thought before, you know, the question in my head. I'm like, well, there's Christians and there's, there's Islam, you know, Muslims, like we both worship one God. Like, isn't that kind of the same? No, because one worships Jesus and one doesn't. It's all about Jesus. Some people come along and they'll say, oh, Jesus, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was an enlightened man. He was a man that became like a God. Listen to me. You've got your answer right there. That is not a voice, a spirit, a claim to be trusted. 
Because if you are testing a spirit for Jesus and the Jesus that you're being presented with is different than the Jesus that you see in here, it ain't the real Jesus, people. And there's only one real Jesus. There's not multiple, there's not many, there's one. And this is where we see him, right here. And so every spirit, hear the word of the Lord this morning, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, he was fully man, fully God, he came to the earth, he lived and he died on a cross in our place for our sins, and that he was buried, but he rose on the third day victoriously and triumphantly, that the grave couldn't hold him because he is greater, and that he ascended into heaven, and that he gave us his spirit, and that he is ruling reigning in heaven right now and the day will come when he returns to the earth to judge the living and the dead and bring this age to a close every spirit that talks about Jesus in that way is from God and it can be trusted because that is our Jesus in contrast look at this verse 3 every spirit that does not confess Jesus, every spirit that plays fast and loose with Jesus, every, every voice or message or claim or picture or information that is vague about Jesus or rejects or diminishes Jesus or proposes an alternative to Jesus, every spirit that does that is not from God. Again, what are you taking in? What are you believing? What are you buying into? Because if you get the Jesus one wrong, there are severe implications to that. If you get Jesus wrong, that ultimately costs you your life. So we need to be doubly sure we know what's coming in and what we're buying into and what we're believing. We want to make sure that those things lead us closer to Christ and not further from Christ. Are we good so far? Okay. One last section of scripture to cover then. We're going to talk about how the spirit overcomes. So, if you hear all of this so far, and you say, okay, that makes sense to me. I'm on the level with this, and I can't believe everything I hear. Pastor told me I am what I eat, so that was annoying. But uh, I got to test every spirit because they're not all from God. I can test against scripture. I can test it for Jesus. That's great. But it sounds exhausting, like, I'm faced with so much stuff. How am I, how am I possibly going to keep pace with this? Like, I have responsibility. I can't be sitting at my desk at work every time someone says something and looking through the pages of Scripture. Like, oh, my word. How, like, I have a life. How do I keep up with this? Right you are. And God is going to help us with this. Ultimately, this isn't about us doing this all on our own power, on our own strength. God helps us with this. So it says in verse 4, it says, little children, you are from God. If you're a Christian, you belong to God. You've been saved by Jesus. You're in his family. You are from God and you have overcome them. Them being the evil, sketchy spirit of antichrist kind of stuff. You have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That is a good verse right there, amen. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, he who is in the world is the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist. We've talked on and on about that. He who is in you, believer, is the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, if you have been saved by Jesus Christ and belong to him, you have the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us as Christians. And he isn't just some neutral third party. He helps us, Scripture says. He advocates for us. He strengthens us. He guides us into all truth. He ultimately points us to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, let's just make it known today, let's put a stake in the ground and declare that the Holy Spirit in us is greater than the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world. The Holy Spirit living in you, Christian, is greater than the power of sin and darkness. God has overcome the, the evil and the wickedness and the sin and the cultural push. God is greater God is greater. So I don't know if you're struggling today to fight against something. God is greater. And the Holy Spirit living in you is greater. So the trick for us then is to yield to the Holy Spirit who lives in us and to listen to his voice and to follow his leading. Because he helps us sort all this stuff out. He gives us the strength we need and the wisdom that we need and the discernment that we need and the good judgment we need to help navigate these waters of all the craziness that we're faced with every single day. The Holy Spirit does. Now, the text continues. It says, they, verse 5, are from the world. The, the sketchy, the negative spirit of Antichrist are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. What that is telling us is that the world will lap up all the bad stuff. All the weird, sketchy, untrue stuff, the world will lap that up because they don't know God. They don't know the ways of God. They don't know the heart of God. And what happens in the world is that people have this uncanny way of calling things that God says are good, bad. And they have this uncanny way of saying the things that, says, that God says are bad, they call them good. Everything's backwards. Everything's mixed up. Let me give you an analogy to help you just get this now. I have been wearing the same pair of $15 sunglasses since the summer of 2010. Some of you probably were not alive then. Now, they weren't very good to begin with off the rack at Walmart. That's, that's how it is. But after like 11 years of that's like my only pair that I wear, they're like scratched, they're dented, pieces are broken, they're bent, the nose pieces are hilariously misaligned, like they are not very good at all. This week or last week, I bought a new pair of sunglasses. Somebody clapped for me, that's great. Um, I got a new pair of sunglasses that are the very same $15 not very good pair from Walmart and I put them on this week. Guess what? They felt totally wrong. I was like, oh. I said, Lori. I said, I can't wear these. Like, they don't fit right. Nothing's right. Everything's misaligned. Well, guess what? That's because my frame of reference, my point of reference, that was a good pun, frame of reference. My point of reference was totally skewed and mixed up. Like, I'm, my point of reference is, is the wrong, broken, twisted, warped sunglasses. And when I come into something that's actually aligned and straight and true, it seems wrong to me. Well, that's what God is saying here, what happens there. He's saying, don't be surprised when the ideology and the teaching and the, and, and the trend in the world is not in line with what God says. Like, I don't want you to walk on out of here and go, oh, why is nobody doing what it says in here? Because they are from the world. 
The world doesn't know God. The world is hostile against God. If anything, this increases our responsibility to make sure we're telling people about Jesus so they can get sorted out in this area and get saved and come into God's truth. But anyway, it says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever does not know God does not listen to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So as Christians, as people who have the Holy Spirit, we are able to sort these things out. We're able to tell when truth versus lies are coming in toward us. We're able to tell because of the Holy Spirit what's coming at us, and that's good. And it says that's ultimately how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Whoever knows God listens to us. Who's the us? Well, the apostle John is writing this. The apostles were the, the first to come along and really preach and proclaim and teach and enshrine the message and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The apostles' teaching points us right to Jesus. So ultimately when it says, by this we know truth versus error, ultimately it's about what we say about Jesus. That's where we're at. When we diminish or decline or deny or reject or try to go around or make little of Jesus in any area of our life, we're being influenced by the spirit of, what's the very last word there? Error. Error. Anytime that we diminish or downplay Jesus in our lives, that's error. That's not the life that God has called us to. Uh, the, the verse John 3.30 just came to mind. He, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. That's the trajectory of your life. And, and when you get off on Jesus or you're, you're contrary to Jesus, God has a life for you and that isn't it. But in contrast, look at this, look at the, the spirit of truth. Anytime that we magnify and exalt and proclaim and preach and love and obey and serve and point to and exalt and worship Jesus Christ, we're in the spirit of truth. We're in the will of God. We're living the life that God has for us. We can be confident that we're in the will of God and the Holy Spirit is in us and through us and is leading us to that activity. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap up today. I wanna end on just a practical note here. The question that I wanna ask you is this. Who do you listen to? Who are you influenced by? What are your sources of truth? What do you align yourself with? What do you swear by? What do you take hold of and bring into your life and into your practice? Is it from God or isn't it? You can now go home and test the spirits, test those things. Listen, don't just assume that what you do and think and believe, don't just assume it. Search it out, test the spirits. Because ultimately, if we want to really live the life that God has for us, it's got to be Jesus. It's got to be. If you want to know God, the answer is always and only Jesus. 
If you want to be saved from your sins, the answer is always and only Jesus. If you want to know and live out the very purpose of your life, the answer, the place to look is Jesus. If you want to be able to sift through the noise and the clutter of the world and all the messages that come at you, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If you want to know true fulfillment and peace and joy and contentment in your life, you look only to Jesus. If you want to be sure that you're following the right messages and truths and claims and ideologies, you look to Jesus and keep your eyes on Jesus. If you want to live the life that God has for you, it's got to be Jesus and only Jesus. So we got work to do then. We got spirits to test. We got a life to live. So as we later on go from this place, let us be a people who seek him. Let us be a people who Get into his word. Let us be a people who pursue him and pursue his strength and seek his truth and seek his presence and seek to stand firm in him in spite of all the craziness that goes on all around us.